0: Tonight is study number 15 of Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to be reading beginning in verse 13. And Cain said unto Jehovah, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And Jehovah said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Jehovah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And I'll stop reading there. Now, as we were discussing in our last study, Cain is being used of God as a picture of the unsaved within the church, within the corporate church. And this is all taking place at the end of days. And at the end of days, Cain rises up and he kills his faithful brother, Abel, the righteous one. And at the end of time, it is the unsaved, the tares that drive out the wheat, the true believers from the churches and congregations of the world. But then God, in a curious way, historically here with Cain, places a sort of protection around him. Cain is concerned. He says his iniquity, the word punishment is actually the word iniquity. His iniquity is greater than he can bear. He's been driven out from the face of the earth and from God's face and shall be a fugitive and a vagabond. And then he worries that everyone that finds him will slay him. And God um, says Whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Jehovah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And this fits in spiritually with the judgment of God upon. The house of God, the corporate church, God came to visit the churches and congregations of the world in the year 1988, the 13,000th year of Earth's history, and He found they were not faithful, and so He 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 brought judgment. Uh, he uh, removed His Spirit from the midst of the churches, and He began to pour out His wrath upon the corporate church body. That was God's judgment. And and God also, at the same time his spirit came out, simultaneously loosed Satan, who was bound at the cross, and and now Satan entered into the churches and congregations, being loosed by God, and began to destroy them. He began to rule the man of sin. His emissaries Took over more positions of power within the church and, and the doctrines of the churches deteriorated and all kinds of other gospels prospered under the rule of Satan within the church, which served to destroy spiritually the corporate body. And, and we see it today. It is, uh, a complete Desolation. Spiritually, it, it is like a wasteland when we look over the landscape of the churches. We, we find no truth, no faithfulness because it lacks the Spirit of God. And, and so even though Satan, um, zealously went about destroying the church and his emissaries went about destroying the corporate church, and the corporate church is made up of the tares because the wheat came out, especially when God opened up the scriptures to reveal the command to the true believers, they have to come out of the churches. Yet this ongoing destruction was continuing and, and the Gentiles, the emissaries of Satan, Um, Just like the king of Babylon and the Babylonian army were destroying Jerusalem and Judah. Well, that's how it was spiritually within the church. And so, in a sense, they were killing Cain. They were killing Cain. Cain killed his brother. Now, they were bringing destruction to the church that uh, had gone in the way of Cain in killing its brother. And yet, God does not commend them. God does not uh, praise Satan. He does not commend Satan's army, as far as the nation of Babylon. Uh, What happened to Babylon after the 70-year period expired? Historically, God used them. He called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. And he permitted them to assault the nation of Judah, to destroy the city of Jerusalem. God permitted King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians to destroy the temple and to carry his people captive. But at the end of 70 years, as soon as that historical tribulation period expired... Then God raised up another nation, the Medes and the Persians, to destroy Babylon. And, and that's what it says in Revelation chapter 18. It says in verse 2, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And, and then a little further down, it says still speaking, of Babylon in verse five, for her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. That is Babylon destroyed Judah. Satan and his kingdom destroyed the church at the end of the Great Tribulation. And the Great Tribulation was a 23 year period. May 21, 1988, it began. Through May 21, 2011, it concluded. And then came the fall of Babylon, the fall of the world. God transitioned the judgment from the corporate church to the nations of the world to Satan himself. That day of uh, May 21, 2011 was the day that God began to avenge the temple. He was taking vengeance for his temple. It says that in Jeremiah 51, verse 6, Flee out of the midst of Babylon, and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of Jehovah's vengeance. He will render unto her a recompense. Babylon hath been a golden cup in Jehovah's hand. That made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine. Therefore the nations are mad. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. How for her. Take balm for her pain. If so be, she may be healed. And that matches the language of Revelation 18. And and then in verse 11. Make bright the arrows. Gather the shields. Jehovah has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes, for his device is against Babylon to destroy it, because it is the vengeance of Jehovah, the vengeance of his temple. Why the vengeance of his temple? Because uh, Babylon destroyed the temple historically, just as Satan destroyed the temple, which was the corporate church and and yes that serve God's purpose and again that's why God um, in Jeremiah also refers to King Nebuchadnezzar as his servant but there even though and and this is an important uh point for us to understand even though um, the the evil fallen angel Satan serve God's purpose even though evil men Emissaries of Satan serve God's purpose as they uh, develop their other kinds of gospels and and uh, have brought the corporate church, the the church institution, into the shambles, into the condition it is today. Yet God has not approved of that. That is still they should not have lifted up their hand against their brother. That's what God says in Obadiah. And it reminds us of uh, David not daring to lift up his hand against God's anointed. But Esau, the brother of Jacob, and the descendants of Esau, who typify the unsaved within the, the corporate church, did dare to lift up his hand against his brother. It says in Obadiah, beginning in verse 10, For thy violence against thy brother Jacob, shame shall cover thee, and thou shalt be cut off forever. In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, even thou was as one of them. But thou shouldest not have looked on the day of thy brother in the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. Thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. For the day of Jehovah is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee, Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. Now doesn't that sound very uh, similar to what God said about Babylon? Reward her even as she rewarded you. What Esau has done, it shall be done unto Esau. And, and, and that's God's warning here in Genesis 4 to those that would slay cain yes cain is a murderer yes cain has done terrible and a tremendous evil thing in killing his brother but vengeance belongs to god god will avenge the blood of abel against cain and that's what god is doing he he pronounced a judgment concerning The land and Cain will no longer be fruitful. He is handling the matter with Cain. God will take vengeance. It is not for man or anyone else to put themselves in the place of God and, and to avenge or, or to kill, especially someone who was God's anointed like Saul or someone who was God's um, ambassador, like the corporate church. Uh, they were God's messengers, in a sense. They were the caretakers of the oracles of God. And and so God had, previously, an intimate relationship with the church, and now um, for for someone to strike them, for someone to smite them, and to do damage against them, well, yes, God is judging them, and it it does uh, work along in that process, but be warned that God will then turn around and take vengeance upon you. And that's his point here. Whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold sevenfold basically means seven times it it's translated as seven times in psalm 12 and verse 6 the the hebrew word uh is strongs number 7659 and and so it is in that psalm translated as seven times in second samuel chapter 21 it says in the beginning of the chapter Verse 1 of Second Samuel 21. Then there was a famine in the days of David three years, year after year, and David inquired of Jehovah, and Jehovah answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. And and we're going to find um, the same word sevenfold or seven times used here in Second Samuel 21, but it's important we understand the context. There was a famine, a spiritual famine, and David asked the Lord, why is there a famine? Because a famine is a form of judgment. God brings famine uh, we've seen with the judgment on the church. That was a famine. And, and so David wants to know what's the reason. And the answer God gives is it's for soul and his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. Now we see here Saul slaying Gibeon and and the blood. He has a bloody house, just like Cain slew Abel, and the blood of Abel cried unto God from the ground. And here it's as though God is hearing the blood of the Gibeonites, because in response to what Saul has done to them the Lord has sent the famine now why is god concerned about the gibeonites because in joshua in joshua chapter 9 the gibeonites were um a people that that were in the land of canaan and they heard reports of israel and, and some of the mighty victories they were winning and they were afraid. And so they sent an ambassage to meet with Israel and they, they gave the appearance of coming from a far country, even though they weren't that far away. And, and so they took moldy bread and they had broken bottles or empty bottles of wine and, and old shoes. And, and they came and they deceived the leaders of Israel and Joshua made a league with them in Joshua 9 in verse 15. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. Joshua, the, the name Joshua is the Old Testament Uh, or the Hebrew equivalent of Jesus. And and so, really, that's what's in view. Joshua is a, a picture of Christ. Jesus made peace with them. Now, who else does Jesus make peace with? Well, he is our peace. All those that God has saved. We were at enmity with God. We were children of wrath, even as others. But... Christ became our peace and, and through him we have peace with God. And also Jesus has made a league with us, a, a covenant. We, we have the covenant of the Bible, the gospel covenant between Christ and us. So we can see that since Joshua, a type of Christ, made peace with the Gibeonites and a league a covenant with the Gibeonites and also it says to let them live. And and again, that's what our peace with Christ permits the ones that find peace with God through Christ live forever. We're we're allowed to live. We will not die for our sin. And and so the Gibeonites are a picture of those who that will become saved, God's elect. And that's why what Saul did was grievous. And And here again we see Saul is a picture of the church that is persecuting, that, that is killing the true believers. The Gibeonites are representative of the true believers. And Saul and his bloody house, because... He slew the Gibeonites. He slew those that Joshua made peace with. He slew those that had a covenant, and and all the leaders of Israel swore to it. He slew those that were allowed to live by Joshua, by the Lord Jesus Christ, and 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 that's why God brought a famine. And really, the, um we could say that when God brought the spiritual famine of the great tribulation, of the judgment upon the house of God. The reason was they they were not doing well. They, they were not faithful to the commandments of God. They were involved in driving out the true believers and spiritually killing them, just like Saul was killing the Gimeonites. And therefore God brought them a spiritual famine, a famine of hearing, wherein they could not become saved. Well, it goes on to say in verse 2 of Second Samuel 21, and the king called the Gibeonites and said unto them, Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites and the children of Israel, had sworn unto them, and Saul sought to slay them in his zeal to the children of Israel and Judah. Wherefore... David said unto the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And wherewith shall I make the atonement, that ye may bless the inheritance of Jehovah? And the Gibeonites said unto him, We will have no silver, nor gold of Saul, nor of his house, neither for us shalt thou kill any man in Israel. And he said, What ye shall say, that will I do for you? And they answered the king, the man that consumed us and that devised against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the coasts of Israel, let seven men of his sons be delivered unto us, and we will hang them up unto Jehovah in Gebeah of Saul, whom Jehovah did choose. And the king said, I will give them. And, and then King David, again a type of Christ, uh, as Saul, um, in doing the things he did, is causing destruction within the nation of Israel. And and God avenges. God avenges the blood of his people. And, and so David rounds up seven of Saul's sons, his descendants. And in verse 9 of 2 Samuel 21, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites and they hang them in the hill before Jehovah. And to be hanged means you're accursed, uh, just like Cain was accursed, in the hill before Jehovah and they fell all seven together. And that's that's our Hebrew word seventy six fifty nine translated sevenfold. It it could read they they fell sevenfold and we're put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days in the beginning of barley harvest. And and so we can see the historical parable that ties into when the corporate church is persecuting the people of God there there is a response to it. In Psalm seventy nine we also find the same Hebrew word. And here it is translated the same way as sevenfold. In verse 1 of Psalm 79, O Jehovah, the heathen, are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. They have laid Jerusalem on heaps. The dead bodies of thy servants have they given to be meat unto the fowls of the heaven, the flesh of thy saints unto the beasts of the earth. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem, and there was none to bury them? We' become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to them that are round about us and and that language is familiar it it's the language of judging Jerusalem, the dead bodies the the flesh of the saints unto the beast of the earth it's the It's the language that fits in with The judgment of God upon the church and and the shedding of blood. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem. Well, then in verse 7, for they have devoured Jacob, just like in Obadiah, Jacob was being destroyed and Esau uh, joined hands with the ones destroying them. And God said, you should not have done that in the day of their calamity. They have devoured Jacob and laid waste his dwelling place. And then it says in verse 10 of Psalm 79, Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? Let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of thy servants which is shed. Let the sighing of the prisoner come before thee according to the greatness of thy power. Preserve thou those that are appointed to die, and render unto our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach, wherewith they have reproached thee, O Lord. And again, their reproach is daring to put forth their hand against a fallen church, against uh, an apostate church, yes, but still a church, still the church that had past identification with the kingdom of heaven and, and were anointed in that sense. You do not put forth your hand against God's anointed. And, and that's why God is telling Cain that vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And then it says at the end of verse 15 of Genesis 4, And Jehovah set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And when we read this and we understand Cain's a type of the church, we wonder, could that be the mark of the beast? Well, uh, we don't have time left in this study to get into this, but we'll, in our, in our next Bible study, Lord willing, we'll take a look at this word mark and, and try to understand what God is saying here.